Hi, I'm Jalen Pascal, and you're listening to Creative Liberation, the podcast. On this show, we discuss the intricacies and nuances of pursuing a career in the creative class in this day and age. Social media is changing everything. Politics is turning our world upside down. Our creative heroes are falling from glory, and none of the same rules apply. Topics from the show are connected intimately to my cultural commentary blog, Creative Liberation, found at creativeliberationblog.com. Thanks for tuning in today and joining us to discuss topics we tend to ignore or overlook. The first topic we'll be discussing is the myth or false promise of the rebrand. And let me just start by saying that as a creative strategist, I do love rebranding. I've had a lot of cool opportunities to work on rebranding projects, and I love that it gives me an opportunity to be meticulous and detail-oriented. We get to rethink fonts and color schemes and logos and digital impressions, and it provides for a facelift or an opportunity to help someone fall even more in love with whatever it is they're offering to the world. It's definitely one of my favorite jobs to do. But I stumbled across a tweet a few weeks ago, and I think it's really important. It simply read, stop rebranding, just work. I think that there's something tragically misleading about the rebranding effort. I find that many people feel like it will fix all of their problems. The business or creative venture that they're working on isn't going too well, and a rebrand is the quick solve that will get the ball rolling. So it really sucks, but at some point we're going to have to correct that misconception. Because ultimately, rebranding does nothing if you don't do the legwork. While the look and feel of a brand is a critical element of your endeavors, there's no good branding for bad work. Your product or service should sell itself. Branding is that extra bit of identity that boosts recognition and relevance, but trying to rebrand a person, place, or product that's built upon bad strategy is pointless, and sometimes it's even offensive. It's like when people try to cover the stench of their sweat with perfume. It just doesn't work like that. So you can't rebrand your idea to death, and you can't let your brand distract you from your craft. Sometimes, instead of rebranding your product, you really just need to go back and look at the product and create a better one. Oftentimes, rebranding with the poor product only worsens your overall image. It makes your priorities seem out of order. There's no need to have a good logo for poor work or amazing font selection for pointless words. At some point, rebranding and rebranding and rebranding just occupies all the time, money, and resources you could be doing to improve your craft. So don't let finding the perfect brand identity stand as your excuse as to why you can't get started. You spent three months rebranding, so now your site launched late or not at all, or now you missed the deadline for submitting that portfolio, or now everyone's lost interest. And I have to remind myself of this too. A few months ago, I focused way too much on how creativeliberationblog.com looked and went weeks without posting content because I wanted the tabs to look just right and the headers to be perfect, and it's really a dangerous trap. It's enticing with all of its opportunities to be creative about the little things like font and scheme and a reason to not think about all of the hard stuff. You don't have to think about writing if you can just think about typefaces. And as a bonus, it offers this immediate gratification as your aesthetic changes right before your eyes. Rebranding is just more fun than the actual work behind it. But ultimately, rebranding should just serve as a pick-me-up for yourself or your company. It's the finishing touch and adornment. It can take you to the next level, but only under the implication that the foundation is solid. It can make you better, but it can't make you.
All right, everyone, thanks for staying with us. So the next topic we're going to discuss is all about the rules of freelancing. And I'm often asked about how I maintain a healthy work and school balance while freelancing. So I just wanted to share some quick tips that help guide my professional life in general. And the first one is to remember that no matter what, school pays you more. This tip comes directly from my mom. I hear it every time I'm struggling to prioritize work and studies. If you're on a scholarship like I am, it's important to remember that school pays you more than your side hustle or freelance gig. I know it often doesn't feel like it since you never really get to touch the money, but remembering this will help you keep your priorities in check. And if you're dedicated to getting your degree, which I realize everyone's not, you should think of school as your first job because in the long run, it's going to pay off more than any of the side projects you're working on. Everything else should come secondary. Secondly, you really have to establish a style. Your clients should have something to ground them, something that pairs their vision with your own. Having a style not only sets the tone for your work and allows clients to know what to expect, but it solidifies your brand and keeps you on track as well. This isn't to say that all of your work should be the same, but that it should be consistent in quality, tone, and detail. The third is to always remember that contracts matter. Have your clients sign contracts. Sometimes they'll have you sign one and you have to read it and you have to read it again. I can't stress enough how important it is to be on the same page in regards to payment, deadlines, intellectual property, insurance, and deliverables. Don't be lazy. You have to be really careful with what you're signing over. The fourth is to ask for more money. Know your worth, and that's something that I'm struggling with too. It's hard, especially for women and especially for women of color to raise their rates, but it's necessary. The cost of living is going up and the value of creativity is on the rise. So if your client is serious about their company and brand and wants quality work from you, they'll pay for it. But on that note, you have to remember that not all money is good money. It's tempting to take every job that's offered to you, especially when they pay well, but not all money is worth it. If your vision, style, or brand isn't in tune with that of your client, that causes enough of a strain. But sometimes clients will expect you to cross ethical boundaries you're uncomfortable with. There will come times where it's better to politely decline the job than to abandon your creative or moral values. And with that being said, number six is leave yourself enough time. Um, Don't set your turnaround time too closely. Give yourself enough time to produce quality work among your other responsibilities. If your client needs something quickly, explain the limitations a hasty deadline may impose. And also dealing with time, you have to be on time. It's never cute to be late for meetings, calls, or deadlines. Number seven is to honor the sweet spot. There's a perfect balance between what you want and what your client wants. There's a compromise that must be made to find the perfect merger of your brand and your clients. And it's important to remember that it's you and them, not you or them. They want you to push them and they are going to push you. And that's how you'll get to meaningful work. And number eight is remembering that you're bound to word of mouth. So referral means everything to you, especially if you're smaller and just starting out. Your website and social may bring in a few inquiries, but the best and biggest projects come from people who have been recommended to you. They already trust you, they've already seen that you're worth the money, and they've already started thinking about how your work can elevate their brand. Additionally, you never want to leave a bad taste in someone's mouth. 
People are more likely to tell others about bad experiences than good ones, and you don't ever want your name to be associated with poor work. On that note, I'm going to turn it over to our guest, Reggio Buena, who's done some freelance work. He's currently studying organizational communications and graphic design, so he really has a good grasp on what it takes to be a successful freelancer. Hey, Jay, thanks for having me on the podcast today. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Um, On the topic of freelancing, I've had a little bit of experience with it. I know the hardest thing for me and others is that you just really have to be self-motivated and uh, like truly disciplined because there's nobody, you know, looking over your shoulder, seeing if you're getting work done, telling you what to do. You just kind of have to go get it yourself. And, you know, that kind of loose structure doesn't really work for everybody, but for the right people, it can really uh, some cool work can come out of it. So. It's tricky, but it's definitely doable, and there's a bunch of people out there doing great freelance work. And, uh, yeah, you know. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest speaker, Reggie, for offering his perspective and experiences. Be sure to check out his designs and consider him for any design work that you may need done in the future. On the next show, we'll be talking about whether or not working in street style is dead and if the influence of Virgil Abloh has been positive or negative. Be sure to keep up with the digital blog at creativeliberationblog.com and follow me at Creative Liberation on Twitter for constant cultural examinations and unsolicited opinions.